32GI. Leading sports nutrition provider. Focused on health and performance. 32GI. Trusted sports nutrition advisors. Long-distance triathlon has become a worldwide phenomenon, not just from a professional point of view, but also from an everyday man and woman. Everyone has the opportunity to be able to race these same courses as the elites. Talking about courses, the Challenge family have an array of absolutely incredible races. 32GI Sports Nutrition as a sponsor of many of them, including the mother of all Challenge events, Challenge Roth. I've got Mark Wolf with me today. I'm David Katz, Mr. Active. Mark, it was really a no-brainer for 32GI to be involved or get involved with the Challenge family. Uh, not at all, Dave. I mean, uh, first of all, Challenge family, um, we absolutely love their uh, their culture, um, the way they look after the athletes. Um, we absolutely love um, the way that they um, advocate health and a healthy lifestyle and um, and that's and that's what it is. It's it's a it's a family. It's 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 a family event. It's a family of events. And uh, when you actually do some challenge events, you feel like you're an you're a you're an athlete that belongs to a family. And uh, and we absolutely love that outlook of theirs. The the guys that run the organisation are absolutely fantastic, and um, it's been an absolute pleasure dealing with them. Roth, of course, is known as the legend. Um, it's an amazing, amazing event. I haven't had um, the honour of participating in the event, and I will be doing so this year. Um, and uh, but I have been a spectator there, and I must say it's one of the most incredible triathlon events in the world that I've absolutely ever witnessed. Now, looking at long distance triathlon and challenge in particular, they offer a full and a half. They offer shorter races as well, but from an endurance point of view, a lot of nutrition required for the training in the build up. And of course, on race day. So starting with that training preparation, what should people be looking at putting into their systems to keep them going? I mean, three disciplines, a lot of training is required throughout a week to get yourself to a challenge event. Well, I think that that's a a very, very key point is that um, training for a a long distance triathlon starts many, many months before the actual event. Uh, And a lot of people, they train their muscles. So they swim, they bike and they run. But the one very, very important aspect that they need to take into consideration is training the gut, training the stomach, and uh, that means um, taking in the right nutrition and testing your nutrition and making sure that you get to race day uh, with a proper nutrition strategy. It definitely starts many, many weeks before the event, and experimentation should take place uh, probably during long sessions, and often we recommend you know, fueling yourself on a bike leg um, especially if it's a brick session on a bike leg and a run leg as you would in the event and, and, uh, and, and keep playing with it over and over until you find that, um, that sort of right recipe of, of nutrition which is going to uh, assist you in getting to the finish line um, in good shape. Uh, a lot of athletes ask, you know, what should we be doing from a nutrition point of view? And there's a lot of uh, factors that need to be taken into account. Um, every single person is different. Um, so you do need to experiment and find what works for you. Um, some people like liquid feeds. Some people like solid feeds. Definitely that's a matter of preference. Um, obviously, if somebody's racing at a much higher intensity, they would prefer a liquid feed because it means that the airways um, are, are far more open consistently and um, there's no reason to chew, etc., 
But most athletes that do these long-distance events do have the ability to take in food solids. So I think when you're looking at, uh, at, at types of food selection, it's a matter of liquid feed or solid feed or maybe something in between. I mean, we, we've got the sports chews, which are, which are quite awesome. There's not a lot of chewing involved, but they, they're not hard, but they're not uh, liquid. So they're, they're sort of a mix in between, and they've become quite popular. Um, but, but you do need to experiment with your nutrition. Uh, one of the things that's uh, very, very important, obviously, in a long course is that uh, your bike leg is your kitchen, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on, but um, you, you do really need to practice proper fueling strategies, and not just what you're taking during um, uh, training, but also you need to try and experiment as well with pre-training meals um, in order to try and mimic what a pre-race meal would uh, look like. We do have, um, you know, obviously the ability to assist with that if people have got questions and we'll, we'll obviously uh, discuss that a little bit later on and leave some contact details if people do want to get in contact with us and try and figure out how they should be training in order to be racing. Mark, you talked a lot about experimentation around race. When race week arrives, race day, that's when it stops. What should you be doing uh, in the build-up to and sort of on race morning? Well, I think let's have a look at that uh, week before race day. We know that that's uh, definitely uh, a, a 100% a taper week. Um, you're not going to be doing uh, much as far as, uh, as training goes. The most important thing leading up to the race is make sure that you eat cleanly. Very, very important. Um, consume very clean meals. Try not to eat out. Try and uh, eat foods that your body is, uh, is suited to eating and don't try anything new. People do travel distances to these races, and I think that trying any new foods could actually cause some digestive impact. Um, that's quite uh, uh, key to try and avoid. Uh, as far as uh, hydration goes, make sure that you hydrate consistently leading up to the event. It's very important to take in a minimum amount of fluid every day that you are properly hydrated so that you land up at the start line 100% hydrated. As far as... Um, uh, the 48 hours before the event, I would say that um, you could slightly start increasing your carbohydrate intake in uh, the day or two uh, leading up to the event, depending obviously what kind of diet you follow. Um, and then um, the day before the event, definitely carry on with hydration strategy, eat nice and cleanly. I would, uh, we would recommend in actual fact um, uh, increasing the size of your lunchtime meal the day before the event, not having such a large dinner the night before the event because... Um, one of the most important aspects to focus on is actually sleep. And by having a large meal the night before the event, you are going to um, inflate that digestive system quite significantly. You're going to feel a sense of discomfort. And the last thing you want to be doing is lying in bed with a full stomach and actually um, feeling uncomfortable and battling to fall asleep. Uh, a lot of athletes also overhydrate the night before an event. There's no need to do that. It's going to leave you running up and down to the toilet and again, impacting your ability to sleep and it is such a long event, you do need to actually try and sleep as much as possible uh, before that event takes place. You do not have to worry from a nutrition point of view the night before an event um, as far as the volume of nutrition that you're eating because the next morning is your pre-race meal and the pre-race meal is probably the most critical meal of the day. Uh, when you wake up the next morning, it's going to be a couple of hours before the event, we would recommend eating at least uh, two hours uh, before the onset of uh, the race start and that means that um, you should be taking a meal of approximately say around 400 calories or so and uh, try and make it a stability feed so add in some carbohydrates have some protein have some fat there's so many different meal options that you can have if you're in a hotel and uh, you're not sure of if they're going to um, have the kind of foods that you do eat pre-race try and inquire about that 
uh, way in advance that you prepared that you might want to take some food with you uh, or make sure that the hotel that you're staying at does cater for, um, for your needs. So pre-race meal, very, very critical. Do not skip that pre-race meal. Um, after that, I mean, it's just a matter of, uh, you know, hydrating gradually and, and sipping on, on some fluid uh, before the start and obviously not overdoing it because the temperatures are still a lot cooler in the mornings before the start of a race. So you're obviously not going to be losing a lot of fluid in the form of sweat early on. Um, so don't overdo it on the hydration point of view because you're just going to overload the bladder. And don't worry about overeating either because um, if you eat uh, a meal of this size around two hours before the race, you will be fine by the time the race starts and those nutrients will come, in, come into play um, uh, you know, a little bit later on. And, uh, and then the focus will shift to, to actual race fueling. Talking about race fueling, you're standing on that start line. You're about to tackle, if you're looking at the full, a nearly four-kilometer swim. It's a long way. Do you need to be taking anything just before you start and during the swim, or is this still too early? Um, look, before the swim, you know, taking it before the swim, yes, I agree that there are probably uh, uh, some, there is something that you should be taking before the swim. You should still be hydrating. You probably want to take in a little bit of energy drink or something that stabilizes your your blood sugar that um, allows you to, you know, to get some sort of nutrients through the swim. The swim's long for a lot of people. For the elite athletes, they, 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 they're finishing around the 50-minute mark or less or more. But uh, generally, I mean, uh, within that uh, time period, it's, it's still a long time even for an elite athlete to be out there. Many of the elites will consume something probably just before the swim. Those that are going at a much higher pace will take something that probably raises their blood sugar a little bit more. Uh, those that are going at a more controlled pace, uh, which is probably most of the field, should be taking something that stabilizes the blood sugar and doesn't spike the blood sugar. Because the last thing you want is to have your blood sugar levels dropping during the swim. So something that's more stable, um, and in that case, uh, stability carbs have come into play. And there are plenty of options available out there. So, I mean, there we're looking at two types of athletes, high-performing and controlled pace. The majority is uh, uh, controlling the pace during the swim. It is a long day out there for them. And uh, so you do need to, to probably neutrify yourself with something before the swim. But you don't want to take in anything that's going to overload the stomach. You are buoyant. Um, so the thing is, is that taking in anything excessive will cause digestive discomfort. Um, it really should be something that's very easily digestible that can be utilized as fuel. Now, coming through transition one, you're, you're about to get on the bike. You're out there, it doesn't matter if you're a pro or at the back end, for, for quite a long time. The bike itself is your chance to get solid fueling in if you want to. Do you need to be taking anything in transition one or wait for the bike? And how important is that fueling on the bike? Well, I think there's two important factors. The transition zone, to me, is quite a critical place uh, where you should actually probably store some additional nutrition. Um, definitely, I would recommend... Uh, storing a bottle of uh, an energy drink or hydration drink and the reason I say that is because during the swim most people tend to swallow a little bit of water if it's a sea swim generally the salt comes in and it dries up the mouth as well and it uh, gives you that sense of thirstiness the other thing is you've been on the water for quite a while um, there's no doubt in my mind that not consuming fluid for for quite a long period of time especially if you're doing a swim that's over an hour for an hour you haven't taken in any fluid Transition zone would be a time to probably get some fluid into the system even just before you get onto the bicycle. And um, as far as, uh, as nutrition goes, you know, your minds will take in some fuel at the same time. There is a bit of a, a period when you get onto the bike of discomfort until you get into a comfort zone. Um, there is a bit of disorientation. You've come from a, a, a lying down position into a standing up position and, and that shift in, in, 
in blood from from uh, from being buoyant, uh, you know, and being pulled down into your lower muscles, it all of a sudden it, it, it does give you a sense of discomfort and a bit of disorientation, and it will take a while, um, you know, on the bicycle until you actually get into a comfort zone again. So try and get the nutrition in as quickly as possible, and then once you're on the bike, you can actually start to plan the next phase. And what we recommend is once you're on the bike, get into a comfort zone, and then start the feed, you know, as soon as you possibly can. Um, and the feed should obviously consist of, uh, of what you've been uh, practicing during training. So in other words, are you taking in a liquid feed? Um, are you using food solids? And, um, and, and then sticking to that plan. Don't try and change anything on the day. Uh, we recommend consuming uh, nutrition quite frequently during a bike leg. So not once an hour. We, we look at the 20 to 30 minute mark. The more frequent you feed yourself, the easier it is in the digestive system and also the far more um, stable your energy system as well because you're getting in nutrients uh, at, at a much more uh, frequent pace. Um, if, you, if you're looking at food solids, um, I would split up the food solids. So basically if you're having a food bar en route, uh, rather take it in, uh, rather break it down into two or three pieces and eat them over a period of time as opposed to eating one big piece, um, you know, at, at, at one point in time and, and spread out too far apart. Again, we're looking at digestive comfort and we're looking at stabilizing the energy system. It's definitely the best way to go about fueling yourself. As far as hydration goes, um, generally the recommendation is to drink to thirst. And um, we say that because the thirst is probably the most accurate trigger mechanism you've been given and uh, drinking to thirst, you can absolutely make sure that you're not going to go and dehydrate. At the same time, uh, you don't want to overconsume fluid because you do not want to overhydrate. So try and keep the, the bark um, nutrition as simple as possible. Uh, don't complicate things. Keep it very simple. Uh, at 32 GR, one of the big things that we recommend uh, on the bark league is also taking in protein. And, and a simple fueling strategy, if you are using 32 GI in, in, in uh, any of the challenge events, is that... Uh, what we would recommend for most people is to have uh, a carbohydrate drink in the bottle, so either Endure or Race. Generally, Endure is more uh, a stable feed. Race is more for a high-intensity performance athlete, um, also for more for a liquid feed because it's higher calorie. And then, um, and then stashing your nutrition on the bike, and that can be in the form of uh, sports chews or food bars or gels, uh, and consuming uh, according to frequency. So if you're using chews, one of the recommendations is, is to have one or two blocks every 20 uh, minutes or so uh, to make sure that you're getting in the right amount of carbohydrates per an hour and that could be anywhere between 60 to 90 grams depending on the person so you need to work out how many carbs you want to take in per an hour and then spread that feed over the hour that, to ensure that you get the right amount of nutrients in um, I wouldn't recommend taking in 60 to 90 grams of carbs at once um, it's definitely a matter of splitting it over the hour to make sure that you get it in over a a, a period of time and uh, one of the most important things as well is if you are relying on a liquid feed uh, you do need to be very careful about getting the right amount of calories into your system because when the temperatures are cooler you're going to drink less which means if you're relying on a liquid feed and you are drinking less you're going to be taking in less calories and you're not going to get your desired caloric intake so in that case I would, I would, I would highly recommend rather having a bottle uh, with a concentrate in and measuring that concentrate so that you know how much fluid you need to take in per an hour 
um, you know, during that event and making sure that you stick to that. Um, it's still a liquid feed, but it's much easy, it's more it's much more uh, easily measurable. As far as protein goes, 32 GI is a, a drink that we call Recover. It's a one to three protein to carbohydrate ratio. We highly recommend uh, including protein in long distance events <clears throat> because it does act as a, as a bit of a buffer and delays the onset of muscle fatigue. It also tries and mitigates uh, catabolization of protein in the muscle. So it's something that we, we definitely recommend for long distance events. And uh, there you would want to take in anywhere probably between maybe 6 to 12 grams of protein per an hour. So uh, in that case, what we recommend is making a concentrate of the 32GR recover and trying to get at least uh, two sips in per an hour. And uh, it works very, very well. And that's alternating the carbohydrate drink with a protein drink. Uh, you know, you can also go and add a protein into your carbohydrate drink in order to make sure that when you're drinking the carbohydrate drink, you're getting the desired amount of protein in uh, while drinking on that as well. So I think to summarize the bike leg, um, your digestive system is a lot more stable uh, when you're sitting on a bike than when you're running. There's a little bit less bouncing around. Keep the, keep the feed time-based. Make it more frequent. Keep it simple. Um, don't mix and try anything new that you haven't tried before and, uh, and try to focus on doing that. Mark, last but certainly not least, the run leg. You've touched on it briefly, you know, coming off the bike, you've got all that. You've done the majority of your fueling in a sense, especially your solid fueling. For a lot of people, running and eating any form of solids foods is very difficult. What are your recommendations when it comes to the run, that final leg of a long-distance triathlon, of your challenge event? And also looking at what is available. Can you rely almost on what is available on the route for you to use? Okay, so there's a... There's a number of things to take into consideration when, we, uh, when we're going into a, uh, a run leg. And I think the first thing is to decide what you're going to keep in T2 as well because sometimes transition one and transition two can be uh, one city apart from the next. In some of the events, uh, T1 is, is uh, 90 kilometers away from T2. It just depends on the event you're doing. Uh, what actually happens at a lot of events is uh, there are definitely sometimes bumps or dips in the road. People do lose their nutrition on the bike. Always keep backups in T2. Make sure you've got something there just in case you need um, something to take in uh, on the run with you. Um, I always try and tell people keep it separate. What, you, what you've got on the bike is for the bike and what you want on the run, keep in T2 and make sure that it's uh, quite easily grabbable to take along the route with you. So when we're looking, I mean, we explained on the bike leg, your systems are far more stable. It's far easier to carry things. You've got the ability to carry on the bike. You've got bottle holders. You've got top tube bags. Um, you know, you've got, you've got the ability to carry. When you're running, it's not so easy to carry fuel with you, so you really need to decide, are you going to run with a fuel belt? Um, or are you going to carry your nutrition in a pouch, in your suit, etc.? Um, you know, if, uh, just as a simple example, our gels are very flat, like credit cards, so a lot of people slide them into their pants and they, uh, they run with the gels uh, strapped in there. That is an option. Um, one of the most important things is before you're going into that run leg is um, make sure that that last half an hour uh, on your bike leg, you're still taking in a decent amount of nutrition. For some reason, triathletes tend to sort of tone down or slightly stop the feeding before they come into, the, into transition two, but you, you cannot do that because the minute you do do that, you're going to impact what's going to happen on the run. So you need to feed yourself all the way up until T2 and even in T2 if necessary, in other words, set yourself up for that run. Set yourself up for that run because once you start running, it does take a while for those legs to gain, to get into sort of that comfortable position. And it's very difficult in the beginning 
to be able to focus on running posture and running form and getting into a comfort zone and to focus on nutrition. So make sure you've taken in enough nutrition to set yourself up for the run and once you're in a comfort zone on the run, start to take in a little bit of nutrition en route. Generally, most people, when it comes to a run, um, a lot of people prefer more of a liquid feed. At that stage, I think they, they battle to eat as well. And you mentioned it's very difficult to eat while you're running, and I agree 100%. It, it, is, it is tough to eat a food solid while you're running. Um, if somebody's got a run-walk-pace strategy, then, uh, then that's not a bad idea, that you can actually try and get your nutrition in while you're walking um, and then carry on running again. So in that case, maybe you have got the ability to eat some solids. And... Um, Again, it's a matter of determining what's suited to your stomach and your digestive system um, that will keep you going on that run. The, more, uh, the, the earlier on you feed yourself on the run, the better you set yourself up uh, for late on in the run. It is a long day out and um, I can honestly say that there is definitely a sufficient amount of nutrition en route um, in the form of gels and the form of uh, food bars and chews and the events that we do sponsor and uh, there's a lot of variety. Uh, over and above that, many events have potatoes and bananas and dried fruit, etc., and uh, sometimes even uh, salty foods uh, for athletes that are, are sick of sweet and they want to crave something that's more salty. Um, there definitely uh, are those options en route. Um, and again, uh, try and hydrate to thirst. It's going to be very hot at that stage because the run is much late on in the day when the, when the sun is really up at its peak. Um, you know, there's a lot of athletes that cool themselves from the inside. In other words, when you're drinking and you're cooling yourself from the inside. Again, remember hydration and cooling are, 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 are need to be separated a little bit. And uh, it's better to actually cool yourself from the outside. So by pouring water over your core, pouring water over your head and cooling yourself from the outside is, uh, is, is far better than cooling from the inside. Because again, you, you risk overdoing it on the fluid side, which can lead to difficulty. So again, manage your, your fluid intake quite nicely, cool from the outside, eat small amounts again more frequently, it's easier on the digestive system, especially because it's far more sensitive while you are running, and, uh, and, uh, and just hang in there, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it is a long day out, and one of the things we haven't spoken about is probably uh, something like caffeine intake, um, we've got a separate podcast on, on caffeine intake in actual fact, uh, related to our G-Shot. Um, there is ca going to be caffeine en route and, and one of the things is that uh, if you are a responder to caffeine and use caffeine again, um, measure it and understand how much you need to take in you know, before the event or during the event and, and, uh, and uh, also play with that in training way before the event. But caffeine can also play a critical role in keeping the brain awake and, and obviously assisting in, in focus and, uh, and helping keep you, your, you know, your, that mental stability. A lot of wealth of information there to help you to and through your next Challenge Family event. Uh, Mark touched on it. We've got a great platform base, a podcast platform base called 32GI Sports Nutrition. You can find that and lots of other information on the 32GI.com website. Also, if you have more questions for Mark, if you're still thirsty or hungry in a sense for more information regarding what you can do around your Challenge event, you can email coach at 32GI.com. So thanks for joining myself, Mr. Active, David Katz, and Mark Wolf from the two of us. Go smash your next challenge event. 32 GI. Leading sports nutrition provider. Focused on health and performance. 32 GI. Trusted sports nutrition advisors.